You're listening to The One Relationship, where we believe a strong marriage is the foundation for successful families, communities, and cultures. I'm Kate. And I'm Tanner. We're your hosts, and we've each had our share of unhealthy relationships. When we met, we committed to not repeat the mistakes of our past, so we set out to learn everything we could about creating a rock-solid marriage. Join us every week as we bring you real talk from our experiences, other married couples, and relationship professionals we trust. To start strengthening your marriage now, head over to theonerelationship.com and get access to our free marriage manifesto today. Welcome to The One Relationship. I'm here with Tanner and myself and a wonderful guest that we're so excited to have on, Nate Klemp. He's a writer, a philosopher, and an entrepreneur. And along with his wife, Kaylee, they are the authors of a new book called The 8080 Marriage, A New Model for a Happier, Stronger Marriage. And Nate is also a co-author of the New York Times bestseller, Start Here, Master the Lifelong Habit of Well-Being. I love that title. And also uh, a regular contributor to Inc. Magazine, Fast Company, and Mindful. And you are a founding partner of over at Mindful as well, which is awesome. It's the world's largest mindfulness media and training company out there. We are so, so honored to have you, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. It's so great to be here. Thank you for having me, Kate and Tanner. Yeah. So I, I was reading the 8080 marriage, and I, I love that you address some of these, let's say, you know, sayings that we've heard over the years of marriage is 50-50 or the 80-20 rule. And it totally stands out, 8080 marriage. Like, okay, this is a little bit different. So, so tell us a little bit of like how you and your wife got started in really understanding, you know, what marriages need to be successful and happy and healthy. And then we'll dive a little bit more into this model. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so for us, I guess the story begins a long time ago. We met in Colorado, in Boulder High School. We were 17. We ended up going to prom together. Then we pragmatically broke up before we went to college, but actually ended up going to the same college. (laughs) And so we got back together seven years later and we had this, it felt like a total fairy tale in terms of our story. And we got married at 26. And then I would say about one year into marriage, life happened. Like the fairy tale just completely collapsed. And we've heard this from so many couples, right? That, you know, the Instagram perfection just like disappeared, even though we didn't have Instagram back then. Um, <laughs> right. And for us, what that looked like is I had a pretty serious bike accident, which led to some kind of mysterious health issues, dizziness, ringing in my ears, ultimately fatigue, anxiety, depression. And we were one year into marriage trying to figure this thing out. You know, and my experience at the time was like, this isn't fair. Kaylee doesn't understand me. Her experience was like, this isn't fair. I married this man who was like super energetic and getting a PhD. And now I'm married to this guy who can barely get off the couch. And so luckily we made it through that hurdle. But then as as we grew, you know, we've been married now for 15 years. We noticed that this theme of fairness just kept showing up again and again. And finally, we got to a point where we realized 
you know, maybe we aren't the only ones fighting this battle for 50-50 fair, and that there's something more universal going on here. And, and so we started to realize that, you know, in some ways, the question many couples are facing right now, almost like the modern question of marriage is, how can you be equals and in love? And what we found is this whole idea of fairness was maybe helping us be equals, although that was arguable, but it was definitely not allowing us to be connected and in love. So, so that was what set us on the quest, if you will, to figure out how can you answer that question in a more effective way. Yeah. Growing up, I heard from my father pretty regularly that marriage is a hundred, which, you know, really wasn't the common thing to hear, you know, still, I feel like we hear it a little bit more often now, but certainly when I was younger, you know, you heard this 50, 50 concept and I, and I was so happy that my father had said that because I realized that they really were bringing all of themselves into the marriage, right? Like, you know, both mom and dad, but let's talk about the 80-80 model. Like how is that different from this 50-50 or even this 100-100? Yeah, well, it's a good question. So so we think of 50-50 as being almost like the cultural center of gravity for marriage that for many couples, there's this tendency, this default habit to try to make everything fair. That leads to scorekeeping, resentment, all sorts of destructive behaviors, conflict, et cetera. So basically the idea behind 80-80 is instead of having this tug of war where we're both pulling to get our equal and fair share, can we just drop the rope and go beyond 50%? There are a lot of reasons why we should consider doing that, but I think the main thing that we found, so we did about 100 interviews of couples for this book, And what we found is that the couples who are really thriving reported this experience of something like radical generosity, which is ultimately the term we ended up using in the book, where instead of trying to make everything fair, there was an attempt to go beyond 50%, to be generous in the way they contributed in appreciating their spouse, in revealing the things that really mattered to them, and that when you go beyond 50 and you reach something more like 80% contribution, it's not that you're actually going to hit that number. I mean, there's nothing magical about that number, but that the very effort of trying to go beyond 50% sort of takes you out of that paradigm of scorekeeping and allows you to come back into connection and really creates this kind of contagious culture where one person's generosity inspires the other person to be more generous. It's like an upward spiral. Whereas, you know, fairness is the same. It's also a contagious mindset. It just inspires the other person to be resentful, keep score, et cetera. Yeah. And then in terms of the, the last thing you were asking about 100, we get that question a lot. Yeah. And, and the reason we kept it at 80-80 is we also ran across couples where they took generosity almost too far to the point where they lost their own identity, their own sense of self, and you know the projects that were really important to them. So we think we need to like push beyond the current edge of generosity, but there's also a risk in pushing it too far, which is why we kind of went short of the hundred. Yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I love that concept because we also we run into people where it's like you're giving everything to your marriage. And I yeah. think similarly with the 50-50 or the tug of war, you can build resentment on the other side of that as well, right? Yeah. And maybe that creates you know, expectations, right? If you feel like, well, I'm giving and giving and maybe I'm not getting, you know, as equal amount in return or, or whatever that is. And, uh, you know, one of the things, quite frankly, that we've dealt with in our own marriage, we've experienced in couples that, that we've coached is expectations. And we've, you know, we sort of look at it as there's two things. There are expectations about how we're going to create our family and what we want for our marriage and the things that we actually talk about that we want to, you know, uphold and live by. But the cancer inside of a marriage is actually the unspoken expectations, yeah. right? The Well, I assumed you were going to do this or that or the other thing. So I'd love to hear you share, you know, a little bit more about just expectations in general, yeah. how that ties in here. And maybe specifically, let's dive into, you know, unspoken expectations and in, in your experience there. Yeah, well, we completely agree with your perspective there. And I love the <laughs> distinction between expectations and unspoken expectations. I know for us, I'm sure you guys fell into this trap as well, especially early on in marriage. There was this assumption that our partner had ESP. Yeah. could just magically mind read. <laughs> like when we wanted something a certain way or we were experiencing a certain emotion, like you should know that, right? <laughs> right. And, and oh, I think yeah. every couple falls into that trap in part because I, it's often very difficult to reveal some of those uncomfortable truths. And it, it would just be better if our partner magically knew and we didn't have to do that. So yeah, in, in our model, when we talk about radical generosity, we think about, and that's kind of the core of 8080, we think about contribution. So micro acts of contribution. We think about appreciation, appreciating your partner for those even subtle things that they're doing. But then the third part of our model is really about revealing. Mm -hmm. And I think it gets to exactly what you're talking about, that revealing, in essence, is all about communicating those unspoken expectations or unspoken emotions that often kind of get swept under the rug. And I'm sure you guys have found this as well, that like the more you sweep those under the rug mm -hmm. and the more you don't reveal those unspoken expectations, the, the harder it is to connect, the further away you tend to drift. You know, and we talked to one couple where they said basically like, look, our, like the collapse of our marriage, which luckily they were able to avert, but they became, came very close to that was largely the result of these very small breaches in knowing each other and revealing their truths to each other and understanding each other's expectations. Yeah. You're gonna go? Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, I think that's, I think that's great. And one of the things that comes to mind just real quick on that is what we've seen is that generally, like the argument is not about the thing that initiated the argument, yeah. right? And I think that's exactly what you're talking about where when you sweep things under, under the rug, you don't communicate, all of a sudden, 
not taking out the trash or leaving your laundry on the, the floor becomes about a whole list of things that's maybe years long that just sort of throws you, you know, in, into a tailspin. And I love what you said earlier on about like this idea of keeping score and this 50-50 tug of war, because a lot of what we talk about is you're on the same team. Like, you know, it's a team sport. You're not competing against each other. Like you as a family and as a couple are competing, you know, the world's a big, bad, scary place, right? <laughs> if the enemy is living inside of your household, that's that's very challenging. But I'd, so I'd love to know from you, like, let's talk a little bit more just about, let's say that, you know, a, a couple's listening to this or one of the spouses, and maybe they do have some things swept under the rug, or maybe they have been, you know, pulling at the tug of war rope for so long. You know, where do you help people start with like, how do you set yeah. down the rope? How do you get into to, to the team sport and not the, the, the win or the win-lose sort of game of marriage? Yeah, I love that team metaphor. And I think of it a lot of times in the basketball framework where it's mm -hmm. like in many marriages, including my own until I'd say the last five to 10 years, it was as though we were on the NBA all-star team, you know, where you've got all these amazing players who only really care about driving their own stats up. <laughs> and, and that just ends up being a really bad team, right? And yeah. so I think what, what you're getting at, which I really resonate with, is this idea that if we're really on a team together, it doesn't matter who scores the shot at the end of the game when the buzzer's going off. It just matters that we won the game and we should all be excited about that. So I, I think it's a great metaphor and we like to talk about it as, can we set up a structure so that when you win, I win, when I win, mm. you win. And I think that's different than this 50-50 structure, which is often when I win, you lose, when you win, I lose. That's, that's sort of how we've set up the incentives. Yeah. So yeah, so love that. And then in terms of ways to get started, I mean, it is such a crazy time. We're hearing from so many people that there's this just total exhaustion from what we've all been through over the last year. And so it can feel kind of overwhelming to think, oh, now I'm going to do 80%. Really? I'm already <laughs> doing 80% or 100%. That's crazy. But I think yeah. you can really simplify it by thinking about what if you were to do one act of radically generous contribution a day? You know, like get your partner a cup of coffee or write them a sticky note on their desk that says, I love you. And one appreciation each day. And it's really amazing how even just one of those micro actions can set off that sort of chain reaction of contagious generosity that I was talking about earlier. So that I would say something like that would be the starting point. Cause if we try to start like huge right now, given the state, most of us are in, it's probably never going to happen. You know, it's just too much. You can't well, add a rock that big to your backpack. <laughs> yeah. And and I think that's a it's a good point to highlight for our audience because many spouses, I want to lean a little bit that it's the woman, but maybe not yeah. in all cases, where they do feel like they're doing everything. And so to just say, okay, you may be doing everything right now. Yeah. Maybe you do have the husband that and and granted it could be reversed but you know that's you know sitting on the couch and not doing anything and says i'm tired because i just worked all day and the wife is like well so did i you know so right so so we have these scenarios but to do the radical generosity 
from a place of actual generosity, right? And true appreciation, not it's the mindset shift that happens with those acts versus the current status of, but I'm doing everything and I'm bent out of shape and I'm resentful. And, you know, and so just highlighting the mindset shift that needs to happen, I think is really important. Yeah. I think there's another piece there, which is if we consider revealing your full experience in marriage, part of radical generosity, then for that person who is generally the woman in the relationship, the question becomes, is there a way to reveal your frustration about your partner's lack of engagement, lack of contribution, where it's actually coming from a place of love and kindness versus a place of resentment? So, and this is speaking as what we call a reluctant partner. So in my marriage, you know, Kaylee was the over-contributor and I was the under-contributor like big time at the beginning. And there were a lot of asks made to me, but they often came from this place of like judgment and criticism and resentment. And my response to that ask was to say like, oh, well, I'm just not going to do anything now because like <laughs> clearly nothing I do is enough. So, so it actually made everything worse. And then when Kaylee started changing the way she made that ask or the, the way that she revealed her frustration, where it was really about, hey, let's work together as a team here. And there, there's got to be a better way where you don't feel criticized all the time. And I don't feel like I'm doing everything you know, and if it comes from that other place of generosity and kindness, all of a sudden, like the conversation can shift and the dynamic can actually start to shift. Yeah. Well, so and I was going to say, you have a whole chapter on the reluctant partner. Yes, so exactly. this is, this is uh, it's because there really are a lot of spouses where they're not showing up in, in full capacity that they can. And, and then the other is feeling that resentment. And how do you even, because the thing that comes to mind in a lot of just these conversations we've had with our clients, I'm sure that you've seen as well, you know, the wife is tired of being the nag, you know, the quote unquote nag, right? Like, so how, like how to just word it differently and how to be able to uh, approach it differently, I think is really important. Is there a certain phrase or some way that you could say, hey, this is a great way to help your partner not be on the defense? Have you seen something work like that? Yeah, I think that, you know, so one of the tools we talk about around revealing is this idea of reveal and request. So instead of doing this as a pure criticism, the idea would be to first reveal your authentic emotional experience. So it might be saying, hey, you know, I notice I feel sad or I feel frustrated, like whatever your inarguable emotional truth is, where it's just, you know, This is just what I'm feeling. And then to follow that with some sort of request, maybe it's like, hey, I wanna have a conversation about this, or hey, it really is important to me if you take out the trash and not just say you're gonna do it, or whatever it is, right? Right. But I think like doing that all from a place of like love and generosity where that's the, the source and the motivation is key because I'll tell you one of the craziest things we found through these interviews is that when we talk to the reluctant partner, so the under contributor, you'd think they've got it made. They've got like the best job in the world. 
their wife does everything for them. They just sit around watching reruns of Breaking Bad or whatever. <laughs> but actually, like what they described almost universally was that it's extremely painful to be on that side of the dynamic too, right? Mm -hmm. To feel like you're never enough, you're never doing enough, to feel, you know, nagged all the time. Yeah. So it's really not fun for anybody. And I think both partners want to get out of the dynamic. It's just like the physics of it are such that, that you can stay locked in it unless you somehow flip around the energy or the, the way in which you're dealing with the dynamic. Yeah. We've actually just gone through conversations about that, like recognizing like the emotion, the feeling that's coming up yeah. about like from that specific situation, right? Because it's not, it's, it goes deeper, right? We, we don't realize how we're two people from two different upbringings with two yeah. different ways of operating and you're now trying to mesh together. So like, you're going to have to work at that conversation and being a little bit vulnerable with, with your spouse on this. So just recognizing those feelings. Tell me a little bit more about, or tell, and tell our audience more about the power of no. I think like you, yeah. you know, you address this in the book, which I think is really important because we tend to take on too much, you know, and as a couple or as even as an individual, we just want to say yes to everything. And maybe we got the people pleasers out there. So just talk about, you know, the power of no. Absolutely. Well, yeah, I, I think another common trend we found when we were interviewing couples is this feeling of being totally overwhelmed, having no time, having too much to do. There's career stuff, there's kids stuff sometimes, there's friends, there's aging parents, right? I mean, it's just like yeah. endless. And one of the things we kept noticing is that for many couples, it's very difficult to stay aligned with their priorities. So many couples will say like, hey, we should do a date night once a week. <laughs> or we really should go away on a vacation, just the two of us, like once a year for a weekend. <laughs> but then they don't do it. And the, and the question becomes why? And it's often, and you know, we experience this all the time too. Yeah. And when we looked at our own life and the lives of others, we found that the reason is that there are these priorities over here, but they're not being protected by the no. So the priorities are our yes, boundaries are our no. And it's just like so much easier to say yes. You know, people smile at you. They want to be yeah. your friend. When you say yes to the neighborhood barbecue, your neighbors all like give you fist bumps and they're excited. But when you say no, all of a sudden you're disappointing people like your in-laws or your neighbors or even your children. And so it's hard to do. So, so, you know, that said, like the benefit of those clear no's and setting those boundaries is so profound because then you're actually aligned with what matters most to you in life. We have a should list. <laughs> we, we do. We actually in our office because we're like, we have to stop shooting on ourselves and each other. And we're like, you know what? Anything that comes up here, let's just make a should list. Let's put it there so we have a place to look at it. And then let's make a decision like, are we actually going to do that or are yeah. we going to erase that from the list? And because, if we're going to do it, when are we going to do it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's huge. And I'm, I, <laughs> you know, I've fallen into that 
you know, people pleaser, say yes. And I think what I've learned about myself is it comes, at least for me, you know, it can come from a deep place of feeling like, oh, maybe earlier on, I didn't belong in certain places, or I didn't have as many opportunities. And so all of a sudden, when there are, it's just like, yes, but I think if you're that type of person, you've experienced that you also have to remember, like what it then feels like to be overcommitted, right? And and to just like to feel overwhelmed, overcommitted. And I think what you're saying here is like, once you have really clear, you know, goals and what you want, like the no to something frivolous is actually the yes to what you've already decided, you know, as your core values. So I, I think that's really huge. I think especially now, you know, it seems like the world has obviously shifted in the last 12 to 18 months. We think maybe that we have more time because everything is on Zoom and everything is online. But I think, you know, there's real fatigue and burnout there. And I'm sure we're ready for some other revolution here as we, you know, march towards the end of or the middle and end of 2021. But, you know, so for anybody listening, obviously the 8080 marriage, it's on Amazon, probably anywhere books are sold. I I know we got our copyright on Amazon. I I think you guys have a website for that, Nate. But, you know, final words for people that are listening and they're like, okay, I get it. I love the concept. I know we kind of talked about starting with those, you know, small steps, but maybe some words of hope, inspiration, given that a lot of this has come from your own advice and experience in your marriage. Like, what do you say to somebody who who feels like, I don't want to get a divorce. I don't want to quit on this thing, but man, I'm really feeling stuck right now. Yeah. Well, I remember one of the most powerful pieces of advice Kaylee and I got when we were on the verge of divorce a year or two into marriage was that marriage is different than other things in life, you know, where you have like a bad day. Sometimes in marriage, you have like a bad year, yeah. <laughs> maybe even a bad decade, right? The, the timelines are really long and that can be really hard to deal with because, you know, these longer term disruptions are very difficult and and they result in a lot of suffering. And yet, what we have found is that taking some small steps when you're in those moments toward each other instead of away from each other, which is hard to do because in this 50-50 mindset, it's all like we're always waiting for the other person to take the first step. Yeah. Once he does this, or once she does this, then I'll take a step forward. And I think Like the best thing I can say is that it feels awkward. It feels uncomfortable. It feels unfair Mm -hmm. to take that first step. Even if it's just like giving your husband or wife a cup of coffee in the morning. And yet that's how you start to like slowly erode some of those barriers and slowly start to get a little bit closer and more connected. So yeah, my, my general advice, I guess, would be to really experiment with taking that step in and to be okay with the discomfort that arises, to just let that be, see if you can stay cool in the midst of the discomfort as it's arising. Because on the other side of that discomfort is often connection. You know, there's this great saying, your life begins at the edge of your comfort zone. Yeah. I think you could translate that here to say, your marriage and your life together begins at the end of your comfort zone. Yeah. That sometimes it requires 
stepping out of that zone of comfort. Yeah. Yeah. That's so powerful. And I, the last piece I want to add there that you just sort of triggered in my Mm -hmm. mind is that as challenging or uncomfortable as it feels like if you're still having those feelings, I, I think exactly what you're saying is like, that's where your marriage actually begins, right? It's the people that are apathetic and have checked out and they really don't care, you know, that that probably aren't listening to this podcast. Probably not. Cer- certainly not this far in where that's the real danger, right? But just dealing with some of that discomfort is part of the process. Nate, we really appreciate the time today. The 8080 marriage, Nate and Kaylee Clamp are uh, neighbors not so far uh, away from us here, just north in Colorado. Thanks so much, Nate. Any final words? of the anywhere that I missed that people can find you and and catch the book? Yeah, I would just say books available everywhere. We have a website, 8080marriage.com, where we have a free newsletter with tips. And then we also do quite a bit on Instagram at 8080marriage. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Nate. We appreciate your time and say hello to Kaylee for us. We'd love to have you guys back on together. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of The One Relationship. Be sure to subscribe right now. And we'd love it if you could do us a quick favor too. Please rate and review this podcast. This will help others who want to strengthen their marriage discover our content. To get our free marriage manifesto today, head over to theonerelationship.com. And while you're there, we'd love to hear from you. Just hit the contact us button and send us your questions and feedback. Join us next time for more Real Talk on The One Relationship.